and welcome back to File New. It's Friday, February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day. File New is the weekly Friday show with the best artist, creator, and tech news for you. My name is Ryan Selvey, and today we have a spiral from Ali. We have a creator's report of 2024, and we also have a movie entirely shot in infrared. So. We'll be talking about that and a bunch more. But before we hop into it, just want to remind everybody that the File New Show, while it's a live stream, is also available as a podcast. Just search the File New Show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. But that's enough of that. Enough of an intro. Let's just go and hop on into some news. So the first thing up is Universal Music Group will no longer license music to TikTok. They began pulling artist music from the service yesterday because their agreement expired on Wednesday. It's because they failed to reach new licensing terms. And just for a sense of how big this is, music on Universal Music Group includes Taylor Swift, Bad Bunny, The Weeknd, SZA, Billie Eilish, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Harry Styles, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, Adele, Elton John, Post Malone, uh, among countless others. Those are just the big names. And speaking of the big names, it's kind of the big deal as well, because if you're one of those people, like your music's already going to get distributed and you're already like you rely on it to an extent, but not as much as some of the smaller artists. So some of the smallest musicians and songwriters out there are upset because they can't promote their work on TikTok now. The way that it works is it's uh, gonna mute anything that already exists on the service, so that includes older content, and people are gonna be able to go in and switch out which music is being used for the TikToks in question. They said they couldn't reach an agreement because they reached a few pain points, and the pain points included compensation for musicians and songwriters, protection from AI-generated content, something that we're seeing across a lot of industries right now, concerns over infringement, and then they also mentioned safety issues. And just to give you also context on how much music is a part of TikTok, 60% of TikTok content features music of some sort. So this is a huge portion. And as we just went through all the artists, it's going to be something that you see if you're on TikTok, you're going to notice the music is changing, you're going to maybe notice muted content. And it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that breaks down. Next up, we have the State of Creators 2024 report. This is from a company called Kajabi. And what they did is they ended up interviewing and polling a bunch of the highest paid creators. And this is the people that make over $100,000 a year. And for context, there are some pretty staggering numbers. I just pulled a bunch. We'll go through and look at the report as well. But the first one that stood out to me was that 66% of creators made most of their income through brand deals. And a lot of these brand deals are crazy because they even admit to a large portion of these creators saying that they're willing to take a brand deal if the money is enough, even if it's not something that aligns with their values. Just some other numbers for you. 96% of creators earn less than $100,000 a year. So this means that only 4% of all creators online are earning over $100,000. And many of them are turning to courses, memberships, and community offerings for income outside of brand deals. But then they ended up diving a little bit more into the six-figure creators. This right here, this is saying that 46% 
of creators that are making over $100,000 are down for joining a union. 37% of those are willing to consider it. And only 16% of creators making over $100,000 are saying that they're not interested in joining a union. And these are people that are already making over $100,000. These people are established. 50% of creators say that they don't trust the social platforms because the social platforms have so much leverage. And there's this dichotomy between both creators that are constantly churning out content and you have the social platforms that can switch the algorithm on a flip of a dime. You can have millions of followers and you can still not access them. It's also interesting. They're saying that people with over 100,000 are using five plus revenue streams. People over 150,000 are using more than seven. People under 100,000 are only using two. It's this really great write-up. It's really fun to scroll through. There's so much information. I'm not gonna be able to go through all of it. And I will make sure that after the stream, I include all the links that we talk about in the stream description and the podcast description. The next thing is the US Senate child safety hearing was held on Wednesday and CEOs from Meta, X, TikTok, Snapchat, and Discord were all there. It was really a full house. I mean, that means Zuckerberg was in the house. It was really interesting. Basically, senators from both sides of the aisles were dissatisfied with the response from the CEOs. A collection of five bills targeting online safety for children already unanimously passed the Senate Judiciary Committee. And when asked about the size of their trust and safety teams, each CEO was able to provide numbers as to the size of their teams. Meta said 40,000 people. X said 2,300. TikTok also had 40,000 people. Snap approximated 2000 and discord just said hundreds which is really interesting because discord obviously is really hard to monitor because it's a bunch of private conversations but it's also really interesting that they don't have that many and discord is such a prominent and present social media right now where people are really communicating with each other i'll continue to let you guys know how it goes never a dull day capitol hill technology trying to figure it out the FCC introduced a proposal to make AI voice generated robocalls illegal. And they said in a statement on X, scammers are increasingly using AI technology to impersonate human voices via robocalls. We're taking steps to protect consumers against these scams. Today, we announced a proposal to make AI voice generated robocalls illegal, giving state attorney generals new tools to crack down on voice cloning scams and protect consumers. This is something that's really important. I had to have a conversation with my family because I know a lot of robocalls are starting to happen, especially targeted towards elderly people, where they are using AI to clone people's voices, whether it's politicians or even scarier relatives. So I would really suggest everyone to come up with a safe word for your family to say, like, don't expect me to call you from a weird number and say, hey, I crashed my car and my phone is gone and I need help for to wire this thing. Just kind of like back in the days of stranger danger of having a safe word for kids. I think it's important for families also to establish these safe words to be able to tell what is real and what is not real. So it feels a little silly, but you're going to be happier that you have a safe word rather than not having that. Also, today is Groundhog Day, February 2nd, and Apple Vision Pro is out to the public. A few episodes ago, we talked about orders being available, but today people are finally having the hands on the device. There are tech reviewers who the embargo was lifted and people are kind of giving an idea of what it looks like to use this new device from Apple. And one of the really exciting things also on the news today was that Adobe Firefly and Lightroom are available at launch as native apps. 
And you can pull images generated by a Firefly app and place them in the environment around you. And they mentioned that panoramas and 360 degree image generation are in development. It's cool to know that you could take a panorama generated image and kind of wrap it around you. And that's something that they're working on creating. And it'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop over time. Next up, we have exciting developments in the healthcare world. Google is creating a new section of their AI research to diagnose patients using AI intelligence. And this is from Sarah Wells on IEEE. Uh, they launched the Articulate Medical Intelligence Explorer, which aims to assist in medical consultations by providing clear explanations of conditions. It's trained on extensive medical texts and dialogues, and the model outperformed human physicians in a trial showing greater diagnostic accuracy through text-based consultations. I think a caveat here is just like similar AI tools that we use as artists, I think that this is probably something that is best in addition to a doctor. I don't think that this, is, at least definitely not now, is anything that you can use to replace your doctor. But I do think that this is something that's cool that is like an addition and something that adds on to the experience. Speaking of also things that deal with your body and AI, a new model called Morpheus One claims to induce lucid dreaming. And this is from Tom's Guide by Ryan Morrison. And Prophetic is a neurotechnology startup that has developed an AI model called Morpheus One aimed at inducing and stabilizing lucid dreams. If you don't know what lucid dreaming is, it's basically when you are aware that you're dreaming and you can control the dreams aspects. So Morpheus One uses brain activity as input to generate ultrasound holograms that interact with the brain to induce lucid dreaming. The technology will be paired with a new product, the Halo headband, set for beta release this spring. And lucid dreaming is considered beneficial for self-awareness, treating nightmares, and possibly they're exploring the idea of clinical depression and PTSD. Then we have some cool new developments from MIT. And MIT researchers have launched a new technique that can 3D print furniture in a few minutes using liquid metal. This is from Matthew Burgos for Design Boom. And MIT developed 3D printing technique using liquid metal for rapid furniture creation. And liquid metal printing involves molten aluminum quickly solidifying into structures. The technique prioritizes speed and scale over fine resolution, leading to a little bit of irregularities now, but the technology is in its infancy, and I would imagine that it probably gets better over time. This is a specialized machine with molten aluminum, and basically they aim to improve reliability and design precision. I do wanna to touch a little bit on some upcoming events, which are really exciting. And the Designer Boss Summit Slumber Party is a Y2K-themed summit slumber party that's virtual experience with 20 experts, speakers, including James Barnard, Christy Campbell, James Martin, and Abby Kanek, among others, all of which I have had most of those on Adobe Live before, which is cool. It's going to be February 14th to 16th, and you can get your free tickets at designerboss.co. Next up, we have an update about Camp MoGraph. We talked about them last week. They announced their location for the U.S.-based stint of Camp MoGraph, and it's in Ingleside, Illinois, and it will be from September 12th to September 16th. Tickets are going on sale sometime in April. And here are some images that the team was able to provide me from previous years. And it just goes to show you that they go and they rent out this awesome campsite and they just have a bunch of motion artists land on this campsite. And it's a bunch of adults doing motion graph stuff. They have talks, they have speakers and exploration. They also have fun campy things like a cornhole. 
Uh, and then they also still have their Australia one, which is also coming up this year, and that's in Brisbane, Australia. You can find more information about them by going to the Camp Mograph website. They have one for Australia, and they also have more updates coming soon about the US. Real quick, we're going through a lot of things, so I wanna go and touch on a speed round. Tim Cook says that Apple is spending a tremendous amount of time and effort on AI features that will be announced in the coming months. Power World, which we talked about last week, has hit 19 million players across Steam and Xbox, making it the largest third-party video game launch on Xbox Game Pass ever. Uh, YouTube says YouTube Premium and Music have a combined of 100 million subscribers. So CEO Neil Mohan says subscriptions have become a meaningful part of YouTube's business. Mark Zuckerberg says Threads now has more than 130 million monthly active users and is growing steadily. And finally, Amazon has begun rolling out Rufus, which is a beta AI shopping assistant using its catalog and web data for select U.S. customers. But that's all we have for news for this segment. But let's go and hop into hyperlinks. So in hyperlinks, we have the most hyperlinky hyperlink website ever. It's a little bit kind of like StumbleUpon, if you remember StumbleUpon. It's just take me to a useless website, please. You go on to it, it looks like this, and you press the button. It has brought me to here, pugandarug.com. And it says, you've been honoring the pug for nine seconds. And it gives me a section of being an honorer of the pug. And I can move my cursor around. You can then go back to your previous section. And this time it brought me to optical.toys and it looks like it has things like sliding rainbows and a kaleidoscope that you can go in and you can mess with different web experiences that they have, waterfall effect, uh, among others. And so it's just a really fun way to not only waste time, but also get inspired by different design, get inspired by different experiences by the weird web as it's supposed to be. And then also next up, we have one other link for you guys. And this is the Animorph Generator. You can see here that there used to be those old books. I think they still, I don't know if they still make them or not. But basically growing up, there were these Animorph books where it was stories about kids turning into animals. Now there is a fun generator that you can get created. It's super simple interface. It's just AnimorphGenerator.com. Allie used her partner recently for a surprise birthday cake, which was fun. But you can just go on, you put in the first and the back, you click morph, and then it will create an Animorph for you to then work with. But yeah, so that's all we have for hyperlinks for this week. But speaking of Allie and her partner, we have a segment for thoughts that is entirely from Allie. So let's go hop over into thoughts to hear Allie spiral. Take it away, Allie. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for letting me hop in front of the camera. And to everyone watching, this is Spiraling with Allie. It's pretty much what it sounds like. This week, I'm kind of spiraling out about the idea of authenticity. Earlier this week, as I spent my doctor recommended 10 hours a day on Instagram, an ad for a new dating app popped in my feed. The app is called Raw. Um, a name that makes me vaguely uncomfortable, but it's meant to signal the app's promise of authenticity in the dating world. 
on the raw.app website, the tagline is get unfiltered, true, raw. The app borrows from Be Real's playbook by using photo prompts sent to users to generate both a front and back camera image that then upload directly to the app so the images can't be filtered, which Raw's website emphasizes a lot. Swipe on truth, match on reality is more of the copy that they feature. They also say things like Raw, the dating app where the real you shines through. No filters, no fakes, just genuine connections. It's weird because I feel like this app was like built by two guys who got horrifically catfished and like scarred for life, but it's neither here nor there. I just haven't been able to stop thinking about Raw because I feel like there have been a wave of apps in recent years that are making what I'm going to call an authenticity play. And I'm a sucker for them. Like a few months ago, I downloaded Laps. It's a photo app that recreates the experience of taking a point and shoot photo on a crappy disposable camera. You take the photo and only see it hours later once it is quote unquote developed. Before Laps, I was like a pretty dedicated Be Real user. The photo app that sends out a notification at the same time to all users prompting them to be real by taking a dual camera photo, showing both themselves and their environment at once. Be Real is built to try and force you to show a more authentic version of your life online. Another social media app I just signed up for is I've been calling it PyFi in my head, but it might be py.fyi, born from the niche cool newsletter Perfectly Imperfect. The basic social prompt of py.fyi or PyFi is recommendations. On its website, it says it's built for people to share what they love and discover new things from real people, not algorithms. Again, the emphasis on real. Kevin Nguyen from The Verge wrote it up and said it reminded him of early MySpace and that the space was surprisingly earnest. So here's what's making me spiral. Why am I so attracted to apps that promise me a more authentic version of myself? What is happening in our culture that's creating this desire? And why are some of these apps like Laps explicitly reaching into the past to achieve some kind of realness? Like, why do we associate the past with authenticity? It's over. It's gone. What is it about the present that feels inauthentic and even unreal, especially online? I think part of it is that legacy social media apps push us to conform to a version of ourselves that do best on their platforms, and then they try to sell us things. LinkedIn wants me to be hireable and positive and pay for LinkedIn premium, which I do because I forgot to cancel it after the trial period. Instagram wants me to be hot and keeps trying to sell me something called lover's tea. Uh, I think Facebook wants me to have a baby. It just feels like I've outgrown all the sites I grew up with and I'm a naked hermit crab scrambling around looking for a shell. I keep hoping the next app I download will be the one where I can feel more at home online and increasingly though it just feels like looking for the fountain of youth. It's not out there babe. Sail home. And this is where my spiral really escalates. What do those of us who associate authenticity in the past really miss about the past exactly. Do I miss the disposable camera that Laps imitates or do I just miss being younger? Or do I not miss being younger, but the days when I just spent a lot less time online and like nine hours a week at marching band practice? Do I need a new, better app to be more authentic? Or do I need to just take a walk without my phone? Are these authenticity play apps trying to solve a problem that they really can't solve unless they can find a way to dropkick my phone out of my hand? 
I will leave you with this recommendation I came across on py.fyi. Give your ears and brain a break. No podcast, no music, no earbuds. Sometimes it's nice to not listen to anything and just let yourself be raw in the world for a bit. Thanks, Allie. I, I really thought that was a great video essay. So what do you guys think? I saw a lot of really great comments in the chat. I'd be interested to hear how you guys feel and if you guys use any of these services. I was off put by laps because they had you invite like five people in order to access it. And what I ended up doing was I just invited the person that invited me five times and that was able to like work the system enough. But I thought that was really kind of predatory. And then I kind of have fallen off Be Real for like over a year just because I kind of was like, okay, I get it. It was a cool idea. One other thing that I have for our thoughts for this week is Sprite is now naked in Europe. Uh, it's not what you think. They are removing their excess labels and placing branding and nutritional information straight onto the bottle. You can see a close up in this picture that they have taken off the surrounding wrap that's on it and they're using colored caps to differentiate between variants like diet or low calorie the article that i read was saying that it was kind of greenwashing because at the end of the day it's not that much plastic but then at the same time the same article is like well we should also still celebrate any sort of progress that reduces plastic a better solution would probably just be to switch to aluminum they also switched the color of the bottle from green to clear and that also is going to help a lot with recycling um, right now it's only sold in eight tesco express stores until march and it's part of coca-cola's world without waste strategy where the company has pledged to reduce their packaging footprint and recycle a bottle or can for every one they sell by 2030. now it is unbalanced because it is over in the UK, because the country recycles about 44% of its plastic waste. But in the US, that number is only 5%. 5%, which is that <laughs> terrifying. Um, but I do want to say that I like the progress, making efforts to at least change it a little bit. But I do think that we still need to hold uh, designs accountable and making ethical choices that are going to change the packaging. And it can still be beautiful. I mean, look at that. It's so cool how it is put into the bottle and how it is a part of the design. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I hope that it works. I hope that they continue to expand on this and they maybe roll it out worldwide. Uh, it would be nice to see them, you know, put their money where their mouth is and change the design. What do you guys think? Do you like it? Wade wants to know if you can even read the info. I would also wonder about the legibility of the nutritional information, because that's obviously something, especially in America, that is super important to being approved by the FDA. And I don't know if maybe this would maybe not fly in America. I'm not entirely sure. But we're gonna move on from Sprite onto the font of the week. This week, it is Club Lithographer by David Jonathan Ross from DJR. I actually got to talk to him, which was really cool. And uh, he gave me a bit of the backstory about this typeface. He says that it was originally released in November 2020 to members of his font club. And it started as a typographic sketch he began playing around with in 2017. And then he ended up using it as a 
reward for his font of the month club in 2020. It was actually originally all lower cases. And then in 2021, he even introduced capitals to it. But it's inspired by the typeface lithographic italic designed by Andrew Little in 1873, something David Jonathan Ross saw in a Victorian era specimen book. He mentioned it was inspired also by letters formed by spilled maple syrup. It's a wide set italic with elongated serif, blobby outstrokes, and an unusually steep 24 degree angle. Apparently, italics tend to be in the 10 degree to 15 degree range. So this is a little bit more dramatic. It takes advantage of all the extra space that's provided by this dramatic angle to make something curvier and more free flowing. And in a quote from him, he says, ever since the angular chancery curses of the Renaissance, italics have tended towards the narrower ends of the typographic spectrum. In contemporary use, this helps create a contrasting rhythm between italic forms and their wider Roman counterparts when they are set together in a block of text. I think this is why lithographic italic feels so refreshing to me. With no Roman counterpart to speak of, there is no need to squeeze. There's no hint of choppiness or angularity, and you can feel the laconic freedom that each letter has to take up as much space as it pleases. Uh, but that's our font of the week. It's available on Typekit. Check it out. It's nice to be able to hear straight from the artist. Once again, um, this is Club Lithographer, and it's designed by David Jonathan Ross from DJR. Big thumbs up. This week in Ticket Booth, we're talking about Barbara Kruger and her show, which is Thinking of You, I Mean Me, I Mean You. And it's these gigantic letter forms, which I actually saw this in the MoMA when it was touring through New York. And it was cool to see this. This is specifically made to be TikTok friendly. Right now, it's in the London South Gallery of Serpentine. They are these giant vinyl wrappings on the walls. I definitely recommend it. One thing interesting about her is if you guys are familiar with Supreme, she actually is the inspiration, but it's kind of also plagiarism. Basically, she invented the idea of having this type on red, and it was back in the 80s, I believe, that she did this. And then when Supreme came around, they then later credited her for inspiration. But she has trolled them multiple times by calling them out for basically taking her artwork and turning it into their whole brand. She at one point even created a like drop of merch, which looked a lot like Supreme merch. And she did it in the same way that Supreme did it with, you know, limited access in these small spaces and shops that you people would line up in lines waiting to get in and buy her stuff as kind of a response to them using her artwork and style. But yeah, it's over in London right now. It tends to tour. She also has something in D.C. for the longest time. I don't know if it's still there or not, but I definitely recommend it if you ever are able to see Barbara Kruger. Her stuff is really inspiring and fun. And like she says, it's very TikTok and Instagram worthy. So you'll get lots of great pictures. I got lots of resources for you guys this week. Our first one is actually one that I used when grabbing other resources for this show, and it is Vocal Remover. And it's really simple. You don't even have to log in or sign up to use it. It is the vocalremover.org. And you can see here that you just go on and you browse your files and then you can kind of drag the sliders between the music and the vocal and then you can export it. I've been using it a lot lately when I pull down Instagram and TikTok videos to pull off the music so that I can then incorporate it in the show without getting a copyright strike. Next up, we have Womp 
which is a 3D service that you can use is right in your in your browser and it updates automatically. This is you can even use things like clipping masks and what have you. And you'll see that it updates in real time because all of the processing is taking place in the cloud. So you don't have to worry about having a super strong computer. It has different materials. They have a paid version and a free version. This is just the free version and the tutorial that they have when you open up to it. You can see here that this sphere is affecting the cube. So then, you know, you can go and you can scale it, you can move it around, you can rotate it, what have you. And they have a bunch of different options for you. And that is womp.com, which is very fun. Uh, and it's an alpha right now. Next up, we also have a great article on thisiscolossal.com, and it is the February 2024 opportunities with open calls, residencies, and grants for artists. I'm not gonna go through all of them because they are plentiful, but if you go on to thisiscolossal.com, they have an entire article that goes through open calls, grants, and they have direct links so that you can even hop right in and it has the deadlines for you. And if you're trying to get some money for a product that you're inspired about or you're trying to get a residency, it's a great place to start. Next up, we actually have some really great Instagram videos. Our first one is a cool Photoshop effect by Madgal Lopez. And we're gonna check that out right now. Let me show you how I made this effect that I've been using on my latest poster exploration. Start by creating a copy of your layer, then head to Filter, Blur Gallery, and then click on Path Blur. When you first open it, you'll see this blue direction path that will help you shape the direction of the motion. You can increase the speed to make your motion appear longer. Make sure you unclick the centered blur box so that the blur motion appears like it's coming from the subject. From here, keep playing with the direction of the path to get the desired effect. You can even add more paths to get the desired effect. And if you want to go a little further, click on Edit Blur Shapes to add some extra control. When you're happy, click OK. From there, I found that adding a gradient map and clipping it to the blur layer works really well to add some color. Finally, I made a copy of the bottom layer and brought it on top of the subject layer. I hope you like it. Try it out and let me know what you think. That was uh, Mad Gal. So thank you very much for having that available for us online. That was via Instagram. And then we have one more, which is from another creator, which this week I learned that 3D mapping for photo projection and video production isn't as hard as I thought it was. If you want to try projection mapping, here's a simple way to get started using Adobe After Effects. The first step is to set up your projector and the surface you plan to map onto. Next, open After Effects and create a composition for your projector output. The size of your composition should match the resolution of your projector. My projector is 1920 by 1080. Before we can start mapping to our surface, we need to adjust the preferences in After Effects. This will allow us to extend our desktop and see the composition through the projector. Go to Preferences, Video Preview, Enable Mercury Transmit, and based off the resolution options, I can see that this one is my projector. So now you can map your videos or create custom animations right in After Effects. To map your media, use a combination of masking and corner pinning to adjust their position on the surface. When you're done creating, all you have to do is export your video file, open it in a media player at full screen, and play on a loop. Thank you so much, Stormy, appreciate you. I'm really interested in seeing what I can do with projection mapping. It's something that I've always wanted to get into and I've always like kind of talked myself out of. That's all we have for resources. We are getting short on time, so let's hop into Rebrand.
This week, we're talking about Ocean Spray. They have a new look and a new campaign saying, yes, you can. You can see here that the O really changed. You can see that they have a better cropping for the wave, which doesn't rely so heavily on a white stroke. They actually got rid of the white stroke that goes around the entire circle. And I think it's a, a small but strong upgrade. I think that the space between the O and the C in Ocean Spray is really good, but it's part of something that is happening more and more brands where they wanna feel more real and they wanna have more grit and it implements a grit imperfect feel to not only the type, but also the textures that are in it. But I wanna make sure we hop over to Spotlight just so that we have some time to check out some really great work. The first thing that we have up is the pearl. And what the pearl is, is a gigantic sculpture that is made of 3000 computer driven kinetic tiles to form a 45 foot tall, 53 foot diameter artwork. It was made for the Royal Caribbean by a company called the Breakfast Studio, and it's called the Pearl. The tiles are arranged in a Fibonacci sequence and it's reminiscent of waves. I actually even have a video of it here, which they have on their YouTube. And you can see that you can walk through it. They have this kind of like wave-like feel that you go through and each individually has a tile that is controlling it individually, but it kind of works together. You can see the Fibonacci sequence right there. Um, and you can walk through it and experience it. And I think it's on the cruise ship itself. It's supposed to have allusions towards the sea, but obviously that's also confusing considering it's on a cruise ship, but it's cool that it deals with color. It can be a white orb, or it can be something that is full saturated of color. And I think it's really beautiful. And I love seeing robotics used in a creative way. Next up, I teased it at the very beginning, but it is called Agro Drift. And it is a new movie that is shot entirely in infrared. It is by Harmony Corinne, and it features Travis Scott, it's spelled Agro Drift as an A-G-G-R-O space D-R-1-F-T. And it's about a hitman from Miami Beach and the pursuit of his latest targets. I have the uh, trailer on behind me here and you can see the whole thing is just infrared, baby. Uh, a lot of the early reviews, because it's limited release right now, are saying you're either going to love it or hate it in the first few seconds, and then you're going to be able to run the entire time. But it's really interesting and bold to see something like this. I think that the big saturated colors are something that, you know, was kind of hinted towards in the last decade, but this is taking it to the absolute next level. I don't know if I would be able to watch an entire movie like this, but it is a very interesting exercise. I will have to go see it if it ever is released. There was actually some controversy around it because Travis Scott apparently did not sign off on it and then apparently they fixed it or something. Do you guys think you could watch it? Do you think that you would be able to see the whole thing? Then one of the last things we have is this really cool thing from Emil Schwarzler. And basically he was doing the dishes and he realized that his dishes looked like girl with a pearl earring. So he ended up cropping it into an actual rendering of the girl with a pearl earring, but it's just some plates and a piece of wood. I don't know why I had the wood. Maybe it's a cutting board, but I thought it was really funny and I love to see it. And then the very last one that I have is Ricardo Massorado. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to include this into hyperlinks or if I wanted to include it into Spotlight, but basically it's his portfolio site. And what he did was he made it look like a desktop and you can go on here. And by the way, it's ricardomassorado.com. You can move the things around just as you would a normal desktop. Uh, get his info, his recycle bin. You can get to his uh, Instagram by clicking in here, Ricardo Maserato. And I just thought it was a really fun and well-working site. It made me want to engage with everything individually to see what happened when I click everything. And it was just 
he's got beautiful work, even without it being a really cool website. Anyway, thank you for sticking around. I hope to see you all next week. Same time, same place. This is File New. It's 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Western, and it's on Adobe Live on YouTube and Behance as a live stream. But then, yeah, it's available as a podcast. Thank you to Allie for producing and all of her help this week. Allie Rogers. You can find her online as Allie.online on Instagram. (laughs) 